0: And now the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host Bob Patterson.
1: Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine, and we have a guest today who's been with us before, Carl Diedolph He's from he's from up north. He's from Frostbite Falls. No, I'm just kidding. He's from like uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, right, Twin Cities. Correct. Yep. yep. And uh, But yeah, uh, Carl's uh, published some very interesting stuff in the magazine. And he just got back shooting a project um, that uh, will be in... Well, as a matter of fact, this podcast is coming out in October, right about the same time his article is coming out in the magazine. So this is really sort of a supplement to the article. He's going to tell the story behind the story of, of what he did and how he did it. So anyway, I've rambled on long enough. Carl, welcome, thank you for being with us today.
0: Well, thank you, good to see you again.
1: Yeah, same here, it's been a while. Yeah, anyway, Carl is, um, he photographed the World Suffering US Open. We actually talked before he went, we helped him try to apply for uh, press credentials. And so he's gonna talk about that and doing, also doing street photography you're, you're welcome to talk about the street photography you did there as well i think it's really interesting this particularly your article you talked about how you um pulled things together you, you know you basically shot in a street style even though you were doing a project sports project but anyway before we get into that why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself how you get into photography how you started hanging out with surfer dudes
0: <laughs> well that that that's two different um yeah s- subjects. Yeah. But um I- I'll first address the surfer dude, I guess. Um first album I bought was the Beach Boys Surf and Safari <laughs> and and uh first movie I saw was The Endless Summer and first mm-hmm. skateboard I bought was a Hobie and uh uh I you know, I just liked the surf culture and I lived in Minnesota. And then and of course you know I would only go there occasionally when my parents took me to Disneyland and I said we got to drive by Huntington Beach and you know I got to see some surfers in action so went to Malibu and we didn't stay very long but this is sort of a cool thing you know and then if you sort of always thought about the surf culture uh woodies and uh Volkswagen vans and uh just the the lazy attitude the carefree attitude I really liked it a lot and so I've been going back to California quite a bit and I've gone to this U.S. Surf. Championship a few times. 2019 was the time before. And, um, uh, you know, I got the fair share of street photography and enjoyed the, the event quite a bit. And so we planned a, uh, a trip this year. And uh, we, uh, we we will go into that in a minute of how it all transpired. The other aspect you asked about was how I got started photography. Well, I got, a, I got a brownie. I guess we're not on film, but I still got that little brownie with a flash attachment, you know. Uh, and then the other sequence of events led to a 35 millimeter. And uh, I started with a Pentax and moved on to a Nikon. And later on, uh, I went to a Leica and then back to uh, Nikon and then Fujifilm and um, uh, back to Leica. So, I mean, I uh, I had uh, a lot of experimentation. And I think that uh, the reason I'm in the camera group that I am now is the weight. And it's just easier to carry around. And mm. um, I did like the Fujifilm, but I, I really enjoyed the the, the glass and the perspective of sharpness with uh, a different type of lens than the Fuji, but I'm sure they've progressed since I've been there, but I'm sort of locked in now with whatever I got. So,
1: yeah. Um, yep. Yep. That's uh that's a big move.
0: I followed the, the, I followed the path of famous photographers that shot that way, manual focus, you know, and manual exposure and, and sort of the composition aspect of it, of what they had to do. And I don't poo poo the current photographers that use automatic this and automatic that and, and this and that i mean i guess everything, everybody can do whatever they want to do but uh i sort of like the uh, the methodology of think about it that why i'm here as i mentioned in our brief pre-conference i i had sort of planned on going to this event event shooting as a hunter and that that term in street photography is someone who just jumps around and and hunts and looks for the shot and and then runs away and and hopefully (laughs) doesn't have you know (laughs) problems whatever and and then the fisher is what I end up doing where you had to sort of find a location and and think about your background and then wait for things to happen but plan for that and all my shots uh, were with uh, quite a lot of motion so there was a lot of speed Um, people were running to the beach or running away from the beach and uh, I had to change my uh, process, but let's let's go back a little bit and talk about how it started. Uh, I went um, I went to I went to I went to you, Bob, and I, I said I got this idea. I want to go to the U.S. Surfing Championship, and and I'd like to be behind the scenes. In 2019, uh, I had bought a VIP pass, which gave us this tent in the shade, and then on the last day, you had access for 20 minutes to go behind the scenes and see all these surfers prepping for the championship. And you could take your picture with them or, or whatever, but you could sort of see they were doing yoga and they were waxing their boards and they were, you know, um, had their entourage of people that were, you know, rubbing their backs and things. I I said, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to be behind the scenes. There are already 200 photographers on the beach with 400 millimeter and 600 meter lenses. And they're shooting fantastic photos. And they're uh, they're sending them to publications and um, they're making a living. and, I just wanted to do from a street style behind the scenes. So uh, with Bob sending me a little recommendation letter, which is typical when you ask for permission to shoot, um, I entered online all the forms that I needed and then I actually printed it out and mailed it in. And then I started a series of phone calls to the World Surf League uh, to uh, get permission to get a media pass. And they never called back and they never um, responded with an email. And it was quite, quite frustrating. Um, and finally, I sent every email I could find of someone who belonged to that organization, and someone said, "Well, you need to talk to this Wave Media Association. They they run the event." And I said, "What is this? You know, because World <laughs> Surf League, you know, is the one that all the championship pros and the trophies and the big money and all the things. Well, it turns out they they produce about 20 events a year, and they don't produce the one in uh, Huntington Beach, which had been going since 1959." and uh, it's, it's run by a variety of conglomerates and uh, they, they just let the World Surf League run their competition and the surfers acquire points and get dollars and things. It's a lot like the PGA tournament, if you, if you watch that, where they have lots of events and at the end, they probably have the FedEx Cup or they have something where somebody, they compete for the, for the so this usually ends in Hawaii and they, they have their awards that way, et cetera. But this one, it's a lot like the Formula One races, where uh, Formula One produces twenty some events a year, and they don't own anything to do with the Monte Carlo Grand Prix, and Monte Carlo owns everything—the TVs, the you know the mm. sponsorships. In fact, you know Rolex is a sponsor in Formula One throughout the world and all the races. But in Monte Carlo, it's TAG Heuer, for example. I mean, it's really an independent situation. So, U.S. Surfing Championships in Huntington Beach is the same way. It's run. By a different organization, and the World Surf League really doesn't have that control. So I did end up getting a, a badge and a pass, and I, what we got was an access uh, to the media tent, which was was really just for bloggers and uh, website people. And they were hooked up, you know, remotely with photographers on the beach that would send their photos right to the computer, and the computer would adjust, the, you know, the processing and then post it right away. And so there were all these live feeds of. You know, the famous people from Brazil or Jamaica or England or the US or whatever, and all the fans and all the followers. And these people with all their computers were in the media tent. So the media tent really wasn't what I had envisioned, but it was an interesting aspect to how it works. And I'm sure that's the same way it works at big events for Formula One or for um, PGA, et cetera, like that. So what they did give me access, and there was five different um, pass levels. Uh, and the world or the, or the um, wave media only had one level that they gave and it allowed us to and there was five of us that had this pass that allowed us to be 12 feet back from all the the tents and staging areas etc where I thought that's where I wanted to be and yeah. I couldn't go in there and there was 12 feet back and then there was another 12 feet where they had some cones and I could within this this long strip and watch for people to come out of the tents, to run to the beach or from run up from the beach up to it. The reason is, and I I, I couldn't substantiate this, but I was told by a security guard, there was an incident last year that someone pulled a gun, you know, at the, at the surfers mm-hmm. and at the stage, and they, they, just, they just upped the thing to, un, you know, uh, plainclothes policemen and fences everywhere and really made it different. And in fact, one photo, which I'm sure you're gonna use in this, my story, it's gonna. I've got it up here on my screen. It has five security guards around one uh, one surfer as he's just coming back from doing a you know a good heat run, and it's no. Uh, it's, it's very similar to the PGA where Tiger Woods walks around with five security guards from yeah. hole to hole to hole, and that's just it's just the way to. So it's changed quite a bit from when you know I had seen it years previously where it was a little more lax and loose, et cetera. So it created a different kind of a concept for me for shooting when I thought I was going to be in the back, you know, backstage, and now I'm in just in the front gate where the people leave, and there's a lot of security and a lot of uh, rigmarole to it, and uh, I had to change my approach. Um, Sean Tucker talks about this in a video. He calls uh, street photographers either hunters or fishermen, hunting or fishing, and, uh, you know, that sort of works for me to understand it a little bit. A hunter would be someone that uh, you're, you're moving around, and you're shooting different scenes, and you're asking for permission, or you're not, or you're you're just uh, waiting to see what happens, et cetera, where a fisherman or a fisher uh, is someone who, has to, who knows what the scene is exactly, what the backdrop is going to be, and you think differently about um, putting your shot together and composing it, because now you have to work within that confines, and you wait for the action to take place. And that's how I had to change that, which was a drastic change of how I had planned in fact, I had pretty much brought a, a flash and I had this 35 millimeter lens. I was OK, backstage, this is just going to be the right thing for me to sort of see what might go on. And I can be casual about it. And, and uh, you know, some flash, but mostly not flash, et cetera. Turns out the 28 was the right lens for me. And that uh, that was the lens I used in 2019 because the scene was just a little bigger to see and anticipate someone running at you. All my photos uh, have are in action shots. Uh, I shot fast enough; there isn't a blur. But they they um, they're all in motion, and you just have to shoot, 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 shoot uh, to get the, the scene that you get. And fo- hopefully, there'll be an emotion on the face and be quite interesting background. I always like to have a primary subject and a secondary subject, and the shooting as a, a fisherman uh, it allowed me to do that because I could see what the background would, would was happening, whether it be another surfer or a um, uh pedestrian or a security guard etc uh, and uh i'm sure you'll use this other picture too where this woman would, would, had a, a, a Yashika um medium format camera and then to the to the right of her in the photo is a is a is a a um surfer running to get ready to go out and uh, you can see the difference between the fence and the cones and then where these people are. But there's a primary subject in that photo, and then there's a secondary subject. And it's all part of the story of how I'm, I'm conveying it to this particular uh, topic. So it, it presents... Go ahead, Bob. I
1: was just going to say, it, it sure worked for you. You say you don't normally do the fishing approach, but, you know, you got a lot of good shots out of it.
0: Yeah, I... I- yeah, it's not my way to do it normally, but I mean, I was, in fact, I had told you before that my, you know, my wife said, okay, you said you were going to do this. Let's make sure you, you focus on that and not just running off down, down the road, you know, to Wahoo Tacos and seeing who's eating tacos and, and try to, you know, find something else there, <laughs> which I did anyway, because I was there for eight days. The finals are only three days. So you really see uh, a lot of different surfing and the crowds aren't big there. It's like the golf US open where it's open to anybody, any amateur in the country. And there's 180 tournaments that, you know, qualify people to keep going towards being in the U S open. And then when they have it, there's 200 contestants, but there's 30 of them that are the top dog professionals. And they're typically the ones that should be in the finals. And when it's very rare, I've never seen any, an amateur beat out a professional that makes it a living, you know, touring the world and surfing for, for all, all that money. Uh, But, but anyway, so the surfing on the beach is, um, I mean, not surfing though. Taking photos on the beach is a challenge in itself. I mean, people have done it. Um, Gildan, uh, Winogrand, you know, they, they have beach photos. They went to Coney Island, and then they would see these, these things. But the sun was intense, and it was, this, yeah. it, was, it, was it was just intense as could be. I normally don't, I mean, don't shoot that way. I usually shoot at dusk, and I like to find shadows. And there was no shadows. There was just there was just no shade, hardly to to hide in or or find to. to, to um, Put together a composition using different types of light so i had to i had to sort of figure out you know what the main intent is going to be and I, I of course picked the face whoever my main subject would be is the exposure on the face is going to be the, the same thing and i sort of thought with spot metering that was how i do it but that just didn't work because the person didn't stay still very long so you know i, I went to the next level of a, of a multi um, scan for exposure but what i found is if i would Hold my camera and go around 360 degrees with the sun, what I thought was just straight up ahead, uh, straight up. Uh, there'd be a difference of almost two F stops of uh, between north and south of, of, of looking at at the people where I stood in the very same spot. And east to west was a difference of about two-thirds of a stop. I set my uh, exposure compensation at a third, and I would adjust accordingly. And once once I realized I was going to shoot to the south. I would have it, and, it would, and I would do a test uh, on on some person walking by and I'd set it to zone typically at seven to 10 feet. And then I would I would make sure that I'm locked in on the exposure of the face. But it was difficult um, uh, to just, you couldn't just shoot. The, the sand reflected the sun and it was just really, it would wash out and your highlights would just be a mess. So um, you can see from my photos, I, I typically have the face pretty well controlled and then there's one photo of a surfboard with a reflection. That one is the one that actually took the two extra stops um, to try to get that reflection off that uh, surfboard. And that happened to be the second subject with it in that, uh, in that photo. They said I used wide primes and uh, most of the photographers, 200 of them, all used really long lenses. and they, they went for a different purpose, purpose with that. Uh, I shot uh, auto ISO. And what I didn't do, which I because I brought this 28, the 35, I had a polarizer and I had a three stop ND, but the 28 was really what I needed to shoot with, and I didn't have any filters. And I'm not sure I even own any filters for that one um, as well. So these were are without filters, and I typically shot at ISO 100 or 200, and um, uh, I had to get uh, you know some depth of field uh, coverage. uh, So five six would be the the widest I shot at, and maybe f11 would be the the most but the shutter speed typically rain, ran 90 was uh, was the, the slowest and 350 was the fastest but i aperture priority but you know i really got to be the 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 focus of, of what now what's going to happen next so as a fisherman i'm, I'm sitting there i'm seeing that, that i don't want that trash can i, I see i don't want this guy but there are these guys going to come up right this way with all these security guards and i'm going to shoot there's one photo where I have my hand out as a high five, and you'll see that the the one surfer is reaching for my high five to give me. I'm holding the camera with the one hand and in the eye, and then the other um, where I'm holding my hand up. And you know, it was it was fun to sort of get that interaction uh, going with with all that. Um, so we did we did succeed in 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 getting or I did. You know, I say we because I guess I'm royalty. Uh, <laughs> I did get success in my uh, my photos of the of the servers and I, I think it was great. It isn't what I wanted to do. So it's a little bit like um, sports photography but I enjoyed it a lot. And then uh, I would, uh, after, it would typically end because of the swells uh, and the waves would end around 2.30 or three. And then I would go up to uh, Main Street in the PCH and, and hang out and shoot uh, passer buyers, uh, Amateurs with surfboards or wakeboards, and uh, people with dogs or bicycles—funny-looking uh, people. Uh, the crowds were immense. They, uh, you know, they saved 500,000 people for the eight days, and about 150,000 on the on the last day. In 20, 2000, in 2000, 2013, they used to have concerts on Main Street after after the event, and uh, I don't know who was playing, but. It, uh, it, was, it was really rowdy and they had this VIP section and the fans didn't like that some people had chairs and some people didn't and so they pushed the stage. The organizer said that um, uh, the band won't go on unless you all back up and they didn't back up and they broke windows. In huntington beach and they looted stores and they did i mean again you get this mass crowd yeah. and you get some band that probably wants to make them really go there's no alcohol on the beach so going down main street there's probably 20 bars on, uh, down main street and you know the crowd gets a little loose and uh, i i wasn't there at that time and i never heard of that but I, I read that in wikipedia so that's my source for that story but um uh and the gun thing this last year was a source was the security guard but they clearly did had have plainclothes policemen and wire fences and really separated everybody from the photographers unless you were with vans or you were with uh getty or you were with um uh img or or some other where they had different passes and i was also disappointed that even though i had filled out for World Surf League, I, I checked the box. Yes, I want to do skateboarding. And yes, I want to do BMX. I was only limited to the surfing venue, and they're all there in close proximity. And when I went over, when I went over to the skateboard place, they said, well, that badge doesn't get you and You need to get that from Vans. Vans is the the sponsor, the title sponsor of the Vans US Surfing Championship. And I think there's just no way you're going to get it on you know, the Saturday, you know, of the event that uh, uh, and and they had hour-long waiting lines to get into the grandstands to watch the skateboarders which you know I had seen in last time in 2019 I didn't have a media pass or anything I sat in the stands I didn't have a long lens so it was was sort of fruitless to take photos of them but I did see they had this high rise area where skateboarders were getting ready and they were just chumming with each other you know and and doing hand bumps and and talking trash and saying I said that's what I want I want these yeah. surfboards with all these, the skateboards, with all these decals. I want these guys with all their funny clothes. And I, you know, and uh, you know, I'd like to propel that, that story of skateboarders. So in this brief moment, it's been a couple of weeks, I've been sort of thinking about doing it again, but maybe concentrating on skateboarding for another uh, article where I would go for those, for those people, those fans, those things, and get the right pass. Uh, I would go through wave media to ask who I should go to to get the one, to uh to do that because that's pretty interesting that's all part of that surf culture and that's part of that thing and as i said uh you know some um some photographers have um fo- taken photos on the beach and the beach is the street really i mean it's really no different than anything mm-hmm. else um uh i uh i, I like uh alec uh, alec soft you know have you heard that name alec Soth, he's a minneapolis um photographer younger uh i think he's like 40 now or something but he's he uh he's a um, a magnum photographer and he's a large format photographer eight by ten anyway he was um he's he was at you know the whitney or something with some and i, I saw his photos and stuff and they were at the beach and they were at a minnesota beach with um a guy holding a, a trout or something in his hand you know and and this large format maybe six by ten feet of photo and uh i thought okay i can do this this is sort of cool this is he only shoots the midwest which is which is sort of a strange thing but he's, he's like i say he's a magnum guy but these these large format guys they get they get uh sold they get people interested in, in buying their stuff so uh, he's not truly a, a street guy i should like to mention that um, i propelled my street in, uh, photography over the years by taking um either private uh tutoring or a, a master class with some mm-hmm. uh, photographers and and uh I've done two of them in England with uh, Nick Turpin. Oh, did you? And we were one on one. Yeah, and uh, he was he was terrific. And uh, yeah, we spent uh, one day um, or a half of a day looking at reflections that had just rained, and he was hip to that idea. And then another day we had, we did uh, um, the Nas- National Museum, National History Museum, and we, I don't think we could say we got kicked out, but we asked we were asked politely not to take photos of people when we were in there i think it's tightened up in england a little, a little bit of what yeah. the, we were doing there and then uh, i took a, a class with matt stewart in san francisco and he was he was really fun to be with and uh, he would he's a manual guy and and uh, you know he just knew he could he could much better than i by a long shot could just hold his thumb up and say okay that's f8 250 and you know he would he just knew what to do um and his stuff, his stuff is good. And, and he, uh, he was good at critiquing. One thing he did is as a, um, hunter, we didn't call it then, but that's what he did. Mm-hmm. He would see somebody unique and he would follow them and get ahead of them and get behind them and go down an alley and wait for him to go walk by. I mean, he would focus on a, on a particular person, like say a, a woman, you know, with a big hat and a long yeah. dress and maybe a purse or a dog or something. And, um, that was sort of his thing and i of course you know he taught us all that and we said "Well, that's pretty cool and uh that was pretty interesting but what he liked about my stuff is that we'd end the day and we'd go into a a dive bar and i'd shoot these guys that were drunk on their ass and just uh (laughs) head head in their beer and you know and and you know i was like this is this is part of street photography too i'm just shooting away here until someone says don't do it anymore yeah i didn't have a bad accident down there not an accident but an altercation with someone who didn't like me taking a photo um i uh, was was shooting um in fact i have three stories maybe four of, of altercations of the thousands and thousands of shots i took and by the way i took 1500 just at the u.s open i mean that you know so it, you do shoot a lot um that i was in san francisco and i came out on on market street and it was across the street and i could see this woman sitting in a um wheelchair with a blanket over her legs and she was a drug dealer and, and and people would come by and this this one lady of the night came by and gave her a 20 and and she pulled a packet out and gave her to this thing so i thought i'd get a little closer i said this is my kind of edgy stuff that i like you know this, i'll get uh-huh. close to this thing and i got closer and closer and <laughs> you know robert capra would have kept pushing me get closer and go you know yeah i could have because it was real really bad well anyway on my, my right flank, this woman comes rushing at me, and she was a homeless person, and she was crazy, you know, and she said, you can't take pictures, you can't take, and she reaches and grabs my camera, oh. and I had had a short neck strap on, it It was right up close, uh-huh. and she tries to pull it off off my neck, and she's she's out of arm's reach, but the camera's in between, and she's pulling and pulling, and finally she lets go, and then and I said, hey, hey. I'll delete. I'll do anything. I'm just, you know, I'm not here to cause any altercation, you know. And then she yells at these other guys and says, "Hey, this guy was taking pictures of Martha or whatever her name was." And uh, I said, "Oh, okay, you know." So I went across the kitty corner on the street, and there was a policeman there, and I told him the story that you know this was this was not a good thing for San Francisco. And he said, "Well, unless there was a crime over eight hundred dollars, we're, we're told not to do anything." Yeah. And i said well it could have been
1: yeah, it could have <laughs> been know, a lot more that than that sort of,
0: <laughs> yeah that was sort of ugly and then uh, another time in huntington beach actually uh, probably around 2015 or so um there's this young kid on a skateboard uh and i think it was like a well i want to say it was a pink skateboard or else it had a pink paint on their decal or something and then he had a pink ice cream in his hand and uh i thought okay well this is pretty cool and i'll, I'll, I'll mm. shoot this picture of this kid." and he just and he was pretty young i bet he was 12 or something 12 or 14 with an attitude and uh his buddies came over and then this girl came over that was really much larger and taller uh older is what i meant to say and uh man did they do an altercation and i i I tried to walk myself out of it you know with a little you know politeness and things and i said hey we're in huntington beach you're one of the main attractions of the whole u.s you don't think there's a camera every 10 feet that's taking a picture of you i mean you know this is this is the way it is. This is where we live. There's people taking pictures all the time. So well, I want a policeman. I said, well, that's fine. I'll wait around a little while, but I mean, I'm not doing anything wrong. You're on the public sideway and you, you're you a kid with an ice cream pony on a skateboard. And he said, what do you call me, a poser? And I said, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you're good at your skateboarding. You know, I, mean, I don't really want to argue. Well, anyway, that was, that was, yeah. And then another time in Monterey, or it was Carmel, that a woman, um, she was with a friend and she was dressed like Elvira and she had the black outfit, the low-cut gown, the hat, fringe, you know, of blacks and, and this and that. And, and she was right out front, front of me on the sidewalk. And I took a picture of it. Her friend said, hey, that guy just took your picture. And, man, she just went uh, berserker on, on this deal saying, you know, I, I want my lawyer to, you know, sue you. And I said, I haven't published it or done anything, you know, but you're on the street and you dressed like this for a reason. You know, I mean, I don't think it's Halloween. You know, it's a long ways away. You know, I don't know why you're dressing like this, but uh, I think it's different. So I took a picture of it. And the last door I had was an ink. What?
1: There's a common thread. All three of those. What is it? What's it? You're in California. Stay the hell out of California. (laughs) Come back to Minnesota yeah everybody's polite um, in minnesota. as a
0: rule as a rule i don't shoot in minnesota i don't know if you ever heard me say that before but yeah i i don't shoot in minnesota uh i had a great job uh, until i retired and then uh, i could travel the world and to me taking photos where my audience had never been was more important to me than taking a photo of where i where we all live and the last story was i was in england and i was around parliament and and i was in this courtyard and i had a um a tour guide or a, it was you know, just a guy to take me around, you know, car, taxi kind of guy, limo guy, I guess. And um, he, he told me that uh, when you're in these courtyards, you can't take any photos. That's part of the government procedure. Well, this, this woman, and, and she was, you know, uh, an attractive enough woman, but she was wearing one of those wigs, you know, in a, a black, um, illegal, uh, dress that they wear like if she's a judge or a magistrate or, or something. And, uh, she was coming right at me, and I just set up the camera. You know, I just went snap, 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 and whoa! You know, she she was on me, and, and uh, um, you know, she didn't have to tell me what, was, what I did wrong, but she wanted them deleted, right there, and uh, I had to do that. And, and uh, she wanted to check the camera and make sure you know I went left or right on my deletes. And, and uh, but of all the all the shooting I've done, you know, those four are the only ones that stand out. I mean, I'm pretty good at talking my way out of it. My new method is fairly new is I have a new set of business cards that I focus on Insta- about Instagram on it and I just say hey if you'll if you if you want to go to Instagram and I and if I liked your photo I'm going to post it and then just email me and I'll send you a copy of it but if it didn't work out the way I want it to be I'm not going to post it so you can check and whatever you want and that seems to pacify most people where it's like I'm going to give them a photo and after I did this a couple times in Huntington Beach this last trip I had two people email me the very next day and say, you know, have you posted my picture yet? And, um, uh,
1: that's a good uh, idea.
0: So yeah, it, it, it diffuses it, you know? And so sometimes when you lose a guy and so you're getting ready for a shot and this guy's coming at you and, and, you know, this guy's really unique looking, he's got a lot of facial hair or something, you know, and you're going to, this is what I really want, but you don't get the shot. You have to go and ask, ask his permission then after he goes by you and say, Hey, dude, you know, um, hey, come here, just a second. Do you, do you mind? Do you mind if I take your photo? You know, I said, well, you're really interesting. I think this is a great place to be. Here's my card. Let me take a few shots. Check it out on Instagram. And if, and if, I, if I like the way it turned out, uh, you, can, you can have it. And so that's, I don't know what that's called, but you, you lose the guy, but you got to get him back. You know, you're just not afraid to do that.
1: So what does your business card say besides having your Instagram address?
0: Vi- visual visual, visual no visual nomad
1: visual no oh cool visual okay nom-
0: yeah visual nomad with an instagram address and uh email address and um and that they can uh just uh give it a you know give it a look uh, i don't get very many people who ask for the photos this last time two did and i sent them i sent them a variety i, I, I always process in black and white but i uh i sent them the color version which i shoot in and then i i convert um in raw to black and white uh uh, I said in both versions, <laughs> and in both cases, the black and white was much superior. I, I like the the definition of black and white being like Ansel Adams, like ten tones of gray. So when I do the color color sliders in black and white, you know, I'm I'm not, after I get the face just the way I want it with exposure, I'm looking for as many other ways I can convert the photo to being this is a lighter gray, this is a brighter gray, this is a, a pure white uh, to give myself that. So all my stuff are Heavy black um, push and heavy white push, but then I don't want to have have it where it's contrasty, and I sort of uh, cautious about that. And then in the over the last couple of years, I've moved the clarity way back. If anything, I've dimmed it a little to be more natural to what a street photo really is, sort of like what uh, the, our our predecessors all did. I was going to just say Alex Webb comes to my mind.
1: I don't think I've ever seen a color photo by you, and I, I was. Gonna ask. I said, do you even use any of the monochrome bodies or you just do all color and convert?
0: No, I do not have any monochrome bodies. Um, when I went, I went to the Leica factory in, in, um, in, in, in Germany and they loaned me a, a, a monochrome. And then when we, it's different. Yeah. When we, we uh, played around with the uh, processing of it at that time, I thought that I got more gray tones out of the color than the monochrome now they they might dispute that
1: so yeah i i, I, I have know. the q2m and you have to underexpose and then in post you have to like stretch them out i forget how many different tones that it creates but it takes a little bit of work to, to pull them apart from that blob of dark
0: well, I, I started, uh, you know, going back to when I shot photography. I shot black and white. I shot Tri-X and Plus-X. Yeah. And I've had three different houses where I had a dark room in it, and you know, I I, I did what Ansel Adams did. I built these templates to 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 move across the the filming to get the, the different tones. And I felt like I was really accomplishing something. Um, I always like to mention I I, I shot the, the Vikings um, home games for oh, I think five or seven years as a, as a, a stringer for Associated Press. And uh, I got to shoot though at the same time. Only one photo after all those years was ever um, published, you know, <laughs> that, uh, that I took. I mean, so it, it's tough to be a, a, a still photographer at a sporting event. Mm. Uh, um, you know, you're anticipating the action, but it's never the way it is. And we shot with F4, four, I think there were 400 millimeters at the time. Uh, Nikon F's, and um, it wasn't easy to get a, a good good focus uh, at f4 as the sun would come down. Um, but uh, I, I did shoot color occasionally, but I, I never had a color darkroom, and I think that's held me back for a long time. And then I went to a slide mode uh, where I shot everything in slides, and I, um, um, I I think you know I thought I was accomplishing, but I wasn't doing street, and I sort of believe that you know after time, nobody really wants to see your photos. I mean, you can be the family photographer and you can show a baby picture, but I mean, nobody really wants to see anything else, you know, and if you took a picture of uh, Mount Rushmore, you, they've all seen a thousand photos sure. of Mount Rushmore. So, I mean, there's, there's nothing new, but street photography really is that vehicle to express yourself to the unknown of what people don't really look at. If you don't stop and smell the roses kind of a thing and look around and see what the interaction is and see what's gonna go on, um, it could be as mundane as, as people eating. And uh, my highest selling photo at $1,000 is one of three women eating lunch. You know, that, uh, that uh, is the way it works sometimes where people wanna have something that they don't normally experience. Dripping food out of their mouths and kind of things, and I that was in England that I took that one. And actually, I won a ribbon at the Minnesota State Fair, and they they were selling it, and so I sold it a bunch of different times at a thousand dollars. But that's the most I've ever had. I was telling you who I was taking um, uh, some master classes. I took three from Thorsten von Overgaard. He's a, a Lycan kind of guy, and he he uh, he did well with me in Paris, and uh, that was really a fun way to get to understand street and Paris, and it was. Before all the rules about shooting people and, and things, I haven't been back to Paris in a number of years, but I, I think it, it gives you that you go up to Montmartre or something, and you know you, you could be in the fifties taking a photo, and I mean, yeah. it's, really, it's really fun to sort of have that uh, background. Um, uh, Valerie jardin who you've had on your your blo- uh, sure, uh, yeah, she's before. local for you, uh, yeah, yeah, she's local for me. I, I uh, took a class with her, and she we have a. a, a street photography group that meets every month. And she comes to that quite a few times and typically talks about her uh, master classes or her new books or whatever. But I mean, uh, she does. she's a, she's a, a monster uh, on silhouettes and uh, she's certainly good in, in Paris and in other places. And then uh, James Mayer, do you know him in New York? Um, M-A-H-E-R, he's a street photographer. Um, I took a, a, a private class with him and then I joined his online group of critiquing and then uh, I did a um, a Bruce Gilden for five days. And uh, that was in New York. Um, and he, he was tough. And he <laughs> he made uh, some, of the, some of the female photographers cry. I mean, you know, like yeah. just saying, don't come back unless you know how to use your camera. And, and still, you know, I mean, he had no time. For the amount that he charged, he could have been, I think, a little better. But I think we learned an awful lot. And uh, uh, he and I got along pretty well. I picked a topic of going to... Um, Uh, pawn shops and um uh liquor stores and and watching the people come and go of those things and and of all his years he had never thought of that so i think that was sort of interesting to him is it well that's there's there's probably something there you know especially later in the day and then i i did a uh session with a guy brian lloyd duckett in um england and he has a lot of videos on street photography and books and things like that and uh he's a He's trying to make a living, you know, at teaching street photography. I mean, it's, they got so many good places to shoot there in Soho and etc. So, I mean, he, he can probably get a class and he does it every week. He goes to Venice a lot too. They, they do carnival um, and I'd like to do that uh, as well. I think the costumes are unique. And again, it was the timeless with the uh, the setting and stuff too, you're not just shooting 2022, you know you could be shooting 1940 with those sure. costumes or something.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah we're going to we're going to Spain in a couple well next week actually so I'm looking forward to being around older buildings well, that sounds, and
0: that sounds great yeah I think uh, I think there's per- plenty of intense light there um, I, I, this from what I know I think this is, and then the buildings are whitewashed or they're certainly a light color I mean so there'll be some challenges there but uh, I did get a, a an app recently um, that's a light meter app um mm-hmm. i have some other handheld light meters but there's one that you know i got it i think it's just called light meter but it's 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 a pretty good thing to just make sure you're starting on the right spot unless you're going with auto um you get get an idea Well, okay this is the range of where this thing is and you, mm-hmm. you move maybe in a 90 degree of trying to do something or go up to someone's face and you get some ideas to what it is
1: does it have a dome that plugs no, into I've, the lightning no connectors? i've
0: had that one um uh, as well this one i just got like a week ago or something but it um Uh, it had high reviews and I gave it a try and um, I'm giving it a try to make sure I'm on the right uh, page you know you never know if you drop your camera if your meter's going to be off a little bit uh, and then um, you know some people do um, chirping we should probably address that is that um, where you look at your photo every time if you get the right exposure you don't need to do that you know you just know you you just got it you know but uh, that uh, you can see amateurs or it could be professionals too but you know look and look at this look at this you know and if you just got it right if you could just shoot away and you I think you'll miss too much by worrying about uh, what's what you just got into taking a look at it um so uh I've been influenced by um uh Elliot uh Elliot uh, Erwitt uh mm-hmm. Winogran, I mentioned Brisson Meyerowitz uh, Freelander um I just saw, I just studied Freelander just recently a little bit more and you know he's he's sort of pretty cool um uh Avedon. Uh, Robert Frank, um, when I was in college, I mean, he was he was the photographer hero and in, um, social injustice or whatever. I, that's what I call his work. I mean, you know, he was trying to point things out. We're um, uh, going on brilliant, you know, brilliant. Uh, you know, you know, people on the bus or I mean, just the American flag waving, uh, in, you know, during a parade or something. I mean, these are lifelong impressions that he's made on photographers. And uh, uh, I have his his book, of course. And, and uh, um, I, I think that was a pretty big influence to to keep to keep shooting and to to keep thinking about. But I couldn't find the social injustice enough to be to be like him. I mean, you know, I just I couldn't find it. It was probably right in front of my face the whole time. Except when the Vietnam War was happening, I went to Washington for one of the big rallies and, you know, and, you know people were all upset and, and and I wish I would have shot more because that was, that was really a time that became historical to, to that and I think a street photographer would have been accepted quite well as being, you're on a mission to tell a story and I think that's, and the audience would have thought that was good. Today, the street photographer is sort of looked at uh, differently, it's not comfortable where when we do, when I did this thing with the, the surfing tournament, you're accepted. It's a different vibe, you know, a photographer with a badge at an event. I mean, you've got full access to shoot away and there's nobody that's going to say you can't take my photo. You know, I, I know if you notice it like at a football game, an NFL game or something, your ticket says, you know, NFL owns the right to let people take photos no matter what, who you are. If you're in our stadium, you don't have any individual rights, you know, from for privacy, for, for, for photos. Um, so that was sort of cool aspect of being at an event that was legit, um, where the, the, the surfers knew you, hey, you were there for a reason. One aspect that we did mention about is, is the Getty photographs. I signed this release when I was there uh, to get my badge that everything I shot would have to be cleared through them. And they gave me an exemption for your magazine uh, and they were happy with that, and we have to send them a copy of it, and and I can go forward, I think, from there. But commercially using it, um, man, Getty seems to be in in control of. of they these things. are
1: large and in charge. And
0: yeah, that uh, that uh, that seems to be the way to way to go. Um, but I'm not. I didn't read the print, so I don't really know. But I I just know that I saw the part about you can't use it commercially, which I don't do anyway. I mean, yeah. Um, I don't think there was anything worthy of that. I think I like, I like what we're doing here. We're telling the story, frustrated photographer now having to fish instead of hunt. And uh, uh, he didn't get what he thought he wanted where he was going to be behind the scenes and be buddy buddies with these guys and offer to send them photos. And, you know, all that kind of stuff didn't happen. It was, uh, it was really, uh, really nothing. But uh, I like, uh, I like going to California. I like that surf culture. I liked um, um, the surf situation you know i think my best photos i did a book uh, an ebook on surf surf city a couple years ago all my best stuff is done in the winter months when hardly anybody's on the beach and uh getting up early because the sun comes up early and shooting um the people um uh, walking on the beach with surfboards or running on the beach or 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 sitting on the beach with a fire or something you know i think um uh it's a different time it's a different way to do it and um Uh, that's just just different um so all my stuff in that book was was from winter shootings which i used to go every every january to uh, to huntington beach and stay for a week Uh, my work allowed me to do that so i would always stay right on the beach and and do that so uh we had talked briefly about california excursions but i went to dana point and laguna beach and manhattan beach and hermosa redondo um Playa del Rey, San Pedro, Long Beach. Went to Catalina. You know, I mean, yeah, we got to see all that stuff. Take pictures of uh, people and things. And uh, it was it was friendly. I didn't have any uh, altercations. But street photography is different today. I'm having lunch with a couple of photographers tomorrow or Wednesday, and uh, they're frustrated with it. They're street photographers. They they just they just don't want to ask for permission. They don't want to have altercations. They just are giving it up. Um, I'm going to tell them it's not quite as bad as, as you're saying it is. I mean, um, it's different, though. No, I mean, this, you know, the, the mood of the country is, you know, entitlement pops up in their head. You know, they, <laughs> they want to be mad at somebody. So they're going to be mad at you for you're taking Pick somebody your, uh, else. your photos. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. The Oh, uh, well, you know, it's funny you mentioned IMG, and because I'm originally from Cleveland, and that's their headquarters. Big. Mm big sports marketing company i didn't realize that they own yeah, they, they were own the
0: own, own that tennis. They're and big in the surfing they're tennis. the ones who called off that concert you know that uh um, yeah. two, 2013 um they used to and they said we're going to focus just on the surfing which is a logical thing to do but um yeah they're big um and I'm, I'm glad i got to have this experience because as i i portrayed it as being similar to pga or formula one racing it it is big you know this organization world surf league is really big and uh um they have lots of people who watch it in fact um i don't know i i, I now i'm fishing for my statistics but i mean they get a lot of viewers online that, uh, they broadcast every week live from some part. they were in tahiti uh, uh, this last weekend with a surf tournament that i was watching um better waves huntington beach is not known for their waves and uh you know but they people have to be pretty good at doing their their tricks. Um,
1: it's big and wide open, lots of places to park.
0: Yeah, and they get on the pier and they can watch it there's, in fact One thing that's that's is underscored that hardly ever gets mentioned is that Vans, the the, the clothing and and sure. uh, sh- shoe company, they sold out to another company at some point, and um, Van Doren, which is the the family name of the guys who started Vans, they. Uh, they're still involved in, um, in the aspect of this event, some in a way. They provide, if you can picture this, there's this big Vans tent, as big as any tent at the Super Bowl, selling regalia. They sell their clothing and their shoes and their tents and all those things. They, um, they provide free, free hot dogs, hamburgers, and something to everybody that wants one between 12 and 2 o'clock on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Free beverage, free um. Thing. there's long queue lines but they're just big massive grills and and this guy I forget his first name but his last name is Van Dorn he's there grilling them up and he's being appreciative to all the the people and stuff it's pretty family oriented you know and then they have all these other busker type of games and things where people kids can play and stuff like that but he's feeding those people I mean it's just just whatever it's free just uh it's really nice uh I I didn't do it this time because it's a different kind of a line I didn't want to just do that but you know, free food there draws a lot of people and it's good PR for Vans, even though they don't, the guy doesn't own the business anymore. So, so I used to wear Vans. Now I have to have orthopedic tennis shoes, but uh, uh, <laughs> I still still, was still a Vans kind of guy. Um, and I'm still a Jack's guy. Jack's surfboards on Maine and PCH. And so I bought my annual sur- uh, T-shirt. Like I think I told you earlier, I got 20 some T-shirts from Jack's every year. So it's a different T-shirt. I like uh, I like shooting there.
1: Well, before we go, you definitely need to tell everybody where to find your stuff online.
0: Yeah, you'll see by name, I'm sure in the article, it's Carl D. Dolph, K-A-R-L-D-E-D-O-L-P-H. Well, that's my Instagram um, moniker. So Instagram slash Carl D. Dolph. And then my website is carldedolph.com. So that makes it easy. To, to take, a, take a look at the stuff and just shout out out a question about something i love talking about photography um uh, i like the one camera one lens approach um i i did a 50 millimeter one year for 12 months i did a uh 35 and then i did a 28 um one camera one lens and it really allowed me to get to know my lens and my camera and uh i feel real secure of just holding the camera and adjusting to the circumstance and and not having to, to fight anything and and uh like I said, I made a little mistake. I thought I was going to use the 35, mostly because of the filters, but the 28, and, there, and most people would say there's really not much difference, but there's a world of difference in terms of how, how big the view is of what uh, oh, absolutely. coming into the action.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, um, you can crop accordingly. I mean, I'm shooting with the uh, the Leica um, M10R, which is, I think, a 40 um, gig. 48
1: or something. or something, 40. So yeah, it's yeah, big, big stuff, file. Stuff.
0: Yeah. So it's big. So it was really easy to crop this one, um, which the 28 really offered uh, uh, the right kind of thing for me. And I should have learned before I had all my filters with me, but it's not what I had planned. I planned to stay in, the shade and just seeing people, you know, waxing their boards, but um, didn't be, it was really, really hot. It was a different circumstance shooting in the sun. I, I like I said, I like to shoot in the evening when the sun's casting shadows and, and find those areas where there's contrasting light and, um, Uh, softer light sometimes and uh, that's why i like the winter too uh the the sun comes up early but the sun goes down early and so you can be out at five uh, o'clock and shoot and you'd be right in the action i mean you know without worrying about going to bed or anything you know you can just enjoy the shooting anyway i enjoyed this um i I look forward to more of your your stuff that you're doing I, i wish you luck in the continuation i think you got something going i think it's great